With us finding out more and more about the Overwatch League rosters and how they're going to look next season, I thought it was a pretty good time to finally start talking about these teams. And at this point, I think it's most fair or the best approach to start with the already established Season 1 teams because they only have made some augmentations, some obviously more than others, but then have quite some people confirmed and only some where we have speculations. But... Like, in the case of San Francisco Shock, those additions make sense if they were to be true. So I, I will treat them as true for the sake of this video. I, I agree that if you have reservations about the timing of this video, yes, this is highly speculative. And I don't think it would be fair to hold me to these analysis points post-season. But we will see how this shapes out over the season, especially in the start. And then obviously there are so many variables that can happen in an Overwatch League season, such as patches, such as like players get falling sick or some other things happening that are unforeseeable at this point in time. But it's still, I think, a valuable thought exercise to sort of see and sort of also in this case build up the hype around this team. Now obviously San Francisco Shock, one of the worst teams, you have to say, and that is me using language as in uh, the lower half of, of the bracket. Um, certainly not in playoff reach. I also think probably didn't look like a playoff team other than in stage three, even though they probably have a better score than they looked like at this point. And now they have sort of reshuffled, have refocused their efforts, have brought in some talent, and now are going into the next season under the guidance or the the overview of, obviously, former Boston Hatch coach Krusty. Now, Krusty, to me, strikes me as a sort of perfect Overwatch guy, if you don't know what that means. Uh, I, I recommend watching my last video. It's about perfect and pragmatic Overwatch uh approaches and I think Cressy has a pretty good idea what he wants from a team so him now being given supposedly sort of free reigns on assembling a roster obviously in combination with the other coaches should pan out pretty well because keep in mind like his last project with San Francisco Shock uh, sorry uh, with Boston Uprising of course massively overperformed we have to say at this point in terms of the expectations that they came into the season and what it then finally was finally then a playoff team when some people had speculated that they might have been the worst team coming into season one and i would have included myself in saying that i expected to been expected them to be one of the worst teams now with that accolade coming in also before that in rc foxes our Xboxes, there's an interesting sort of concept or rather structure that follows Krusty. And one of the things you can say about him is that he seems to have an eye for flex supports. And not just having an eye, but he also is able to sort of elevate the level of those that he has in his team. Now, if we go back to RX Foxes, obviously the name that stands out there is Neko. For me personally, when he will play it, a top three flex support in the Overwatch League, right? After Bedosin and obviously the first one being Jonak. So he 
he already chose Neko, and then on this team was a player called Neat, who we now know to be Iziaki from Valiant, and that's an interesting name as well. Now in comes Violet, that is the leaked or supposed new flex support player of O2 Ardient, and Violet, for those that aren't familiar, was an absolute beast on Zenyatta last season in Contenders Korea, probably the most impressive Zenyatta, probably a mad fragging Zenyatta, and well, we, we won't sign Jonek-esque badges at this point, but he certainly seems to have uh, a lot of talent going for him. Now, the question obviously is what, what can his Ana do if there was a lot of Ana? I trust Krusty to, to sort of elevate his level in that department as well, like he did with uh, RX Foxes, who, by the way, were a top four team in that contender season. Now, let's think also, it is hard to evaluate coaches, but we, we have the top four in, in Contenders Korea, or Apex at the time. We have the Boston Uprising. We don't know how much of that was all his work, but he seems to at least be able, even if it's not just him that's doing that, he also seems to be able to surround himself with personnel that helps these teams reach higher highs, right? And I don't think that the last stage that he coached Shock 4, where they went 5-5, is that necessarily indicative, because I have on this channel many times brought up the core of 4 principle, in which once a new core forms, and then that core has a playstyle, it takes about 90 days to 180 days for this team to develop a playstyle. Now, that time frame was non-existent in, in San Francisco Shock under Krusty. So if he wanted to imprint a playstyle upon his team, yes, you can do a lot with high amounts of practice. You're not going to get there where the other teams are in the style you want to play. So I think judging him based or judging the rest of the team based on, on that final score is probably not a fair point. And I also don't think his 5-5 was less impressive than Brad's 6-4 in the stage beforehand. All right, so I've so far only talked about Korean players, or rather coaches. So you think probably at this point, ah, man, like they brought in Rascal, they brought in Smurf, they brought in Violet, this with already Architect and Choi there, this is going to be a Korean roster, right? I don't think it is. And that might solely be the reason, based on one man, that we haven't actually talked about a lot or haven't seen a lot of talk about in the scene, and that is Moth. I have it on good authority that Moth is an insane shot caller, not just shot calling, but also someone that is an emotional leader. Once again, a topic on this on this channel. That is someone that does all tracking very well, that can sort of, it has been described to me as people from before the Overwatch League that worked with him, he shapes the playstyle, he shapes the comms of the team, he tells the players what they are doing wrong in the moment and tries to sort of like guide them out of the way, tries to snap them out. And he does it in a very cerebral way. So I don't think there's actually any way, if all these sayings are true, that Moth is not starting next season. Even though it, it might... Just be ridiculous, but it is possible that Moth starts with five Koreans. It's that ridiculous, from what I've heard. <coughs> now, let's let's go down the list, right? 
So let's start with the Westerners. We already have Moths. Then for me, up next, very interesting guy is Nevix. One of the oldest names in Overwatch, but seems to be able to reinvent himself every single time. And there's another thing about Krusty. He also, everything flex sort of seems to work better under him. So not just flex support, but also flex tanks. Now, Nevix, obviously, as a flex tank, has a high, has big shoes to fill if he wants to slot into this uh, starting spot, but he might just do it. Let's compare him directly to Choi Yobin, formerly X6 support. Uh, it's also a... Well, no, that's actually not fair to say that he's a contenders winner. I think Choi just played one game that, that entire contender season before he's changed over to the Shock. So that probably, that batch doesn't fit him well. But, I mean, he, if you want to bring this up as an accolade, he has had at multiple points top three accounts on several different types of uh, heroes in NA. Now, keep in mind, NA, yes, now uh, Koreans are also playing there. Um, he has been described to me as one of the best divas in the league. And this debate uh, about the best flex tank deserves its own topic. But it seems to be that every week this sort of notion sh seems to change. Certainly, Choi Yobin has the level to be in one of those discussions. Now, I have it also on good authority that it's possible that Nevix, simply by sheer grinding somehow in some comps gets in there. And once again, we are in a situation where we are highly speculative. We don't necessarily know how the meta would shake out, but Nevix obviously has played just about every role in Overwatch at this point. And it seems to be that he's able to reinvent himself. Again, the season is a couple of more months out at this point. The next one on the list for Westerners and I won't be talking about everyone, but the important roles for me here. The next one is obviously Sinatra. So if there's a Tracer meta, they don't really have another Tracer main on the level of Sinatra in San Francisco Shock. Rascal has picked it up in the past. Architect has played it in the past. For Architect, I think if he put his mind to it, it was really required. He could probably get up there, but... He certainly has a, a way to step up to be at the level of Sinatra. And then if you can mold Sinatra into being a more system player or can the si craft the system a little bit around him, I think he's a great asset. And the only question around, behind Sinatra really is his champion pool. What Because what have we seen him on, right? Every, every Tracer basically plays McCree. And then he also has a pretty good Zarya, of course. So these things happen, but... Last season, for instance, we needed Tracer Widow Specialists. But have we really seen Sinatra like bring out a top-class Widow? No, not at this point. We haven't, right? So there's some questions here to be asked about the hero pool if it was, again, to be a, a Tracer meta or just fragments of Tracer, for instance, for certain maps or for certain situations. That could be a, the, one of the Achilles heels of the, this new team. Next one is Super and Super was way more hyped in the Overwatch League than he actually ended up performing. Now, I'm not sure how fair it is to evaluate his performance because main tanks are very dependent on their backlines and also on the coordination, of course, of the team because sometimes it he looks rather... Like, a main tank jumping in by himself 
might be the the problem with the main tank, but it might also be just five people not following up on calls that he's supposed to make, right? That is entirely possible that there is a fault within the five and not the one, because the one is doing what the coach is saying, telling him to. Not saying that this necessary case for Super, I don't actually know anything about that situation, but he certainly wasn't performing to the level that people had hoped. Against him stacked is the Korean alternative Smurf, formerly of GGEA, and I think he has to be considered an upgrade over Super. Um, has shown sort of a, a nice variety of heroes he can play. I gotta say the front line in terms of main tanks raises some mild concerns and might ex be another exposure of the Achilles heel in Shock's case. Not quite sure how this will change out, but sometimes we have seen teams in the past lean on weaker main tanks that are overcome in pressure situations. Maybe that is something that can be done to the shock. Then again, if you have this vulnerability, I think those are quite transparent and sometimes quite easy to fix. So, going over the Koreans, Architect, I think one of the best Widows last season, one of the cleanest Widows last season, doesn't necessarily just do it with his aim, and the fact that he was a great Widow should blow you away in a sense, because he came in as a Genji specialist initially of X6, and he has been playing a while in, in, um, in Apex, so in Korea. He was already an absolutely nuts Genji, one of the best Blade uses, for instance, in Season 3. So he's been around for a while, and suddenly this guy comes out and suddenly also has a hit scan. So the question then is, what can this guy not do if he puts his mind to it? There's so wildly different skill sets. What can Architect do on top of it, right? Architect could easily be one of the best players in the Overwatch League if he has a team built around him. And to me, he's already a many flatter and at times actually looked more impressive than him over the last season. I already talked about Choi. One name you certainly have to bring up is Rascal. Now Rascal, formerly KDP, then uh, London Spitfire, then Dallas, and everywhere he went, he was either the vocal leader or had some friction with his teammates, and friction is not necessarily bad, especially when we put in context of the Overwatch League, you it seems to be that muscles need to be torn in order to go, and that's also seems to be true for Overwatch League teams. If there's no tear, then you're probably not improving f uh, as fast as you can. But the the problem with Rascal, obviously, as was reported, was maybe the language, and I'm not sure if it's actually true about the culture. I'm not too high about the whole culture thing. Now he's in a mostly Korean starter team, as I will talk about later. So, as a leadership personality, and then also sort of hopefully, like, parachuted down in his force by Moth, if that is possible for Moth, Raska could be a great shot-calling asset to this team, and was already going in as one of the best players in season one, I see Rascal more of a possibly shot calling flex DPS that 
It's probably home on a lot of a project projectile heroes, so he has that covered. And I don't think um, Rascal will have the same problems that he has had in these other teams. I think if you can promise Rascal a starting spot, and I actually don't see how if Projectile is meta at all, how he wouldn't be that on this team. And I think that Rascal, if you can sort of almost alchemically make him a positive force in this team, and he seems to still be hungry, then Rascal could be one of the leading personalities in this team, sort of like the the social leader that's on top of the food chain in terms of hierarchy, social hierarchy, and then Moth as the cerebral leader. And this sort of, for instance, if you're a fan of football, this sort of resembles the German team of 2014. Yes, 2014, when they won the World Cup under Philipp Lahm, who was more the cerebral player and then, or captain, and then uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger, who was more like the, the guy that gave everything, especially in the finals, and can, just by the power of his performance, drag everyone with him because he won't ever give up. And if that dynamic can work in shock, that is certainly um, a pretty, pretty huge asset for them. So, okay, we got to talk about Sleepy. I think it's actually almost unfair that to not mention him, but I, I'm afraid Violet is too good. I'm afraid Violet might be one of the MVPs, or rather has MVP potential next season. He's that good. And it's, I think if we're talking about 20 teams, Sleepy is absolutely one of the top 20 uh, flex supports in the world. It's just unfortunate that it hap so happens that it very easy might be the case that Violet slots in at second, third, top five, somewhere there next season. And I think in that regard, you, it's very hard to pass him up, especially in a, in a team that likely will have more Korean members than, high, uh, than Western members. Okay. So let's summarize. Who do I think will, should start for most of the season? Obviously, knowing nothing about the meta at this point, simply pound for pound, simply what kind of philosophy I ascribe to Krusty and what kind of um, goals they are going to go after next season. I think one who will definitely start is Moth. You probably have to start Architect. You have to start Violet. Choi, Nevix is probably towards Choi, but I'm I'm willing to entertain that Navix once again reinvents himself into a very serviceable uh, performer. I think Rascal should be starting in all projectile situations. Sinatra in the rest of them, obviously, like the, the trifecta of Sinatra, Architect, and um, Rascal very much depends on the meta, as does all DPS players. Rascal could actually end up being a starter all the time, depending on how the call structure works with them, because some coaches like to have their flex support, uh, sorry, flex DPS call a lot. And then it is probably Smurf, or most likely on the starting position at this time for me. This is 
once again, to just give you the caveats, this is highly speculative, but my goal with this video was to sort of raise a little bit of hype for them. I don't think I'm overestimating them at this time. I honestly think this team should be very upset for not making it into the Overwatch League playoffs based on what kind of assets they have in terms of the players, in terms of the coaching staff, in terms of the resources. This team should absolutely be a playoff team through the regular season, top six team uh, at the end of it. And if they are not going to be, also keep in mind knowing some of the re leaked rosters and doing my personal list, I still think they should be in the top six um, of all the rosters as far as they've been assembled at, at this point. I hope that sort of created a little bit of hype for the uh, San Francisco Shock fans. also hope that it sort of, even though I think you're quite whack for thinking this, but um, it take took some of, of the fear away that this will be a full Korean roster. I personally don't think you can waste an asset like Moth. Um, and yeah, thanks for watching. <laughs>